the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. You know, the second shortest verse in the Bible is 1 Thessalonians 5.16. Rejoice evermore. Isn't that neat? Jesus wept. Rejoice evermore. You know, the third shortest verse in the Bible is remember Lot's wife. There's a sermon right there for you. Right? Jesus wept, rejoice evermore, but remember Lot's wife. Charles Spurgeon said verse 35 isn't a verse you can just read. You have to feel it. Jesus wept. Charles Spurgeon preached two whole sermons just on verse 35. Two sermons on Jesus wept. As Pastor Dan will point out in today's message, so much can be learned from that short verse in John 11. Jesus wept. It's a reminder that Jesus is with you in your grief. He's not coldly observing you in your struggles and heartache. He feels your pain and feels compassion for you. But that's not all. He wants to bring restoration and healing to your brokenness. And he has the power to do it. You can have confidence and hope knowing that the all-powerful creator of the universe is on your side. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of John chapter 11 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. thought he could heal the sick, but he can't raise the dead. And so she says to him, Lord, if you would have been here before he died, in other words, if you would have been here four days ago, you could have done something. He's dead now. There's nothing you can do. It's too late. And listen to me, give me your attention. This is how most people think about death when someone dies, including many Christians. They, they think and they view death as, as the end, as final, as absolute. Once someone dies, they're gone forever. You're never going to see them to, again. That's how people view death. One way we describe death is as a loss, right? I lost my spouse. I lost my parents. I lost my child. What, whatever it may be. We describe death as a loss. I've lost them. As if I don't know where they are, and I don't know how to find them. They're lost. They're gone. I don't know how to get them back. And maybe that's how you think about death. Maybe you view death as something that is just, it's final, it's absolute. And what Jesus is showing us here is death does not have to be the final word. Death does not have to be the end. Jesus Christ came to conquer death for us. Jesus conquered the grave. He conquered the death once and for all. He, was, he, was, he died, he was buried, he was resurrected from the dead. He's conquered death for us. And death is not the end. Just as he said back in verse 4, this is not going to end in death. This is not going to end in death. Death is not going to be the end. 
Look at Martha's words again in verse 21. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him in verse 24, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection in the last day. And I want you to see here, don't miss this. Martha believed in the resurrection, theologically, doctrinally. She believed there's a resurrection. It's part of her theology. It's part of her doctrine. She, she believed that. She says here, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. It's like she's saying, I, I know that's part of our theology. I get that. Yes, I believe that there's going to be a resurrection one day in the great by and by. I know that's what we teach. I know that's what we believe. I know that's part of our doctrine. Look at Jesus' response in verse 25. It's such a powerful verse. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Do you see what Jesus just did there? He took her doctrine and put it in a person. He took her doctrine and put it in a person. The resurrection isn't just a doctrine. Listen to me. The resurrection isn't just a doctrine that we believe in. It's not just a creed that we ascribe to or recite. The resurrection is a person. The resurrection is a person. Our hope, listen, our hope is not in a doctrinal statement. Our hope is in a person. Our hope is in Jesus Christ who conquered the grave. Listen, if you're sick, you want a doctor. You don't want a medical textbook. If you're getting sued, you want a lawyer. Don't give me a law textbook. And when you come to die, or when a loved one dies, you want a savior. Not a doctrinal statement. A doctrinal statement's not going to help you. You want a savior. You want Jesus. You want the savior, Jesus Christ, who died, was buried, and was raised again on the third day. Give me Jesus, not not a doctrinal statement, not a theological point of view. Give me Jesus, not a doctrine in a book. Give me an empty tomb. Give me a stone that's rolled away. Give me an angel saying he's not here. He's risen just as he said. That's what we need. Right. So he's what Jesus is doing is he is he is taking uh, her doctrinal view and he's making it real for her. It's in a person. It's not just words on a page. It's in a person. And quite often, the reality is, for many of us, it's when someone dies that what we believe becomes real to us. Where it's no longer just a doctrinal statement or something that we say we believe. Now it's real. Now it's real. Now it's reality because the person has died. You know, several years ago, my dad died. uh, And while he was dying uh, and he was in the hospital and his body was was just given out uh, and his systems were shutting down and I was staying in the hospital with him at night, and I, was, I remember I was reading to him 1 Corinthians 15 about the resurrection. And in 1 Corinthians 15, it talks about uh, the new body that we're going to receive. And here he is at the end of his life, and his body is failing him. And I'm reading to him about the new body we're going to receive. And our, our body is sown in corruption. It's going to be ra- uh, raised incorruptible. It's sown in weakness. It's going to be raised in strength. It's sown in dishonor. It's going to be raised in glory. That's real to him at that point. He's dying. It's not just words now. It's real. 
You know, one of the nights when we were in the hospital, in the middle of the night, my dad said, he was very uncomfortable at the end of his life, and my dad said to me in the middle of the night, he said, when did you say I'm going to get that new body? <laughs> so you've got to die first. And he said, I can't get it now. No, nope. but you'll get it soon, right? Martha, it's not just doctrine. It's not just theology. I am the resurrection. I am the life. Look at verse 25 again. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Death is not the end for those who believe in Jesus Christ. Jesus said, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die, Jesus said. The believer in Jesus Christ never dies. The physical body dies, but the person lives. The Bible tells us if we are absent from this body, we are present with the Lord. We immediately go into the presence of Jesus Christ when we, when we die. And one day the physical body will be resurrected. And we'll have a resurrected body. So the believer in Jesus Christ who dies physically, the physical body gives out and dies. That person is in heaven with Jesus instantly. Instantly. That person is not dead. They're not lost. We know where they are. That person is alive with Jesus Christ. And they are more alive than they've ever been before. We describe them as dying. The physical body's dead. But the, the spirit and the soul, which is your, the real you, that's alive. It's with Jesus. They're not dead. They've moved. They've been promoted to their heavenly home. You now turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. There's a great, great verse here. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. It says, therefore, we know, 2 Corinthians 5, 1, for we know that if our earthly house, this tent is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. He's, he's describing our earthly body here, the physical body. He describes it as a tent. A tent, a tent is not meant to be a permanent dwelling place. It's a temporary dwelling place. Remember we saw last week how Jesus described the death of a believer as sleeping. It's temporary. The person who's asleep is going to get up again. Your physical body that you're sitting in right now, it's a tent. It's, not, it's, it's temporary. It's not permanent. And he says once this tent is destroyed, we have a building, a permanent building that is from God. It's a house. It's not a tent. It's a house. And it's not made with hands. It's eternal in the heavens. And so we, we leave this tent behind. Peter talks about folding up the tent. When we die, we fold up the tent. We leave behind this tent. And we move into our house. That's eternal. That's made by God. That's in the heavens. We move up to the top. Right? To a deluxe apartment in the sky, right? Just like George and Wheezy. We're moving on up, right? To our eternal home. Now go back to John chapter 11. John chapter 11, at the end of verse 26, Jesus asks a question. He says, And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Then he asks the question, Do you believe this? That's an important question. By asking this question, Jesus separates everyone into one of two categories. Those who believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life and those who do not believe. Those who believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life, they have eternal life. Those who do not believe, they do not have eternal life. 
You're listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City, Maryland. We'll return to the second half of today's message in a moment. But first, here's a word from Pastor Dan. It's my privilege to share the Word of God with you through our radio ministry, Ring of Truth. Thank you for tuning in each day. Hey, I would love to hear from you. Will you take a moment to email me to tell me how these daily studies have ministered to you? I want to hear your story. You can email me through our website at calvaryec.com. That's calvaryec.com. Thanks, Pastor Dan. Now let's join him again for the conclusion of today's edition of Ring of Truth. And so she answers, verse 27, she said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. And when she had said these things, she she went her way and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, The teacher has come and is calling for you. And we've been to funerals before. You, You know what this is like where... There's just a bunch of people in the house, and so there's a bunch of people in Mary and Martha's house. They're just there for many days, and, and, and so Martha's able to come back and pull Mary aside and tell her privately, the teacher has come and is calling for you. And as soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. Then the Jews who were with her in the house and comforting her, When they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, followed her, saying, She's going to the tomb to weep there. And then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet. And we always see Mary at the feet of Jesus, worshiping him. She's worshiping him when he's a guest in the house, and he's giving a Bible study. She's at his feet. But you also see her at his feet in the midst of great grief. And I suggest to you, it's because she was at his feet listening to him teach in the good times that she's able to be at his feet during the difficult times. She's at his feet and she says to him, look what she says at the end of verse 32. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Doesn't that sound familiar? (laughs) Mary says the exact same thing that Martha said To Jesus. Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. Which tells us that Martha and Mary have spent the last four days in the fellowship of disappointment, right? And just encouraging other to be uh, upset and resentful and bitter that Jesus didn't show up. And so now she comes and she says the exact same thing that Martha said. He would have been here. My brother wouldn't have died. He'd be alive right now. You can imagine them for the last four days. Just talking about the fact that Jesus didn't show up. I can't believe he didn't come. I know, I can't believe it either. If he would have come, Lazarus would be alive. I know. All those meals that we made for him, and he doesn't show up. All the times we let him stay in our house, and he doesn't come. I thought Lazarus was his best friend, and now he doesn't even show up for his funeral. It's been going on for four days, and he's a no. I can't believe this. And they are just encouraging other in disappointment, and unbelief, and resentment, and bitterness. And now it comes out. Look at verse 33. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And the word weeping here, uh, this word means loud wailing or loud crying out. You know, our, our funerals tend to be quiet events. They tend to be somber. There's quiet music. 
Uh, we whisper at funerals. Uh, but this is a loud funeral. You know, people are, are getting loud at this funeral, crying out, wailing. And Jesus saw her weeping and saw the crowd weeping. And it says he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. That word groaned in the Greek, it literally means to snort like a horse. It denotes anger. Jesus was angry. Jesus was angry. Now, why was Jesus angry? Or what, what is he angry at? He's angry at death. He's angry at death. Death was not part of God's original design. God created man to enjoy fellowship with him forever in the Garden of Eden. But then Adam and Eve rebelled. They disobeyed God. They sinned. They broke the fellowship that, that God had created between them. Romans 5.12 says death entered the world as a result of Adam's sin. The only reason there's death in the world is because there's sin in the world. And the reason that everyone dies is because everyone sins. And Jesus now, uh, he, he sees the effect that death has, the pain that it causes, the deep loss that it causes. And this wasn't part of the original design. And he's angry at death because it wasn't supposed to be this way. You know, this, this is why, uh, you know, this is why you and I, this is why we have such a hard time processing death when a loved one dies. And we have such a hard time processing through it because it wasn't part of the original design. We weren't originally created for death and to be able to understand and process through death. And so we don't really have a way to process death. We don't really have a, a file that we can put that kind of grief into because we weren't designed for death. We were designed for life. And that's why death is such a difficult thing for us. Because we don't know what to do with it. We don't have a place for it. And death makes us angry. We get angry at death because it steals from us and it robs us. And we feel powerless against death. It says that Jesus was, was angry and he was troubled. That word means agitated. So he's angry and agitated at death. Because of the pain and the sorrow that death brings. Unlike us, Jesus had the power to do something about death, and he did do something about death. Verse 34, he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Verse 35, Jesus wept. Now, this is the shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. You know what the second shortest verse in the Bible is? 1 Thessalonians 5.16. Rejoice evermore. Isn't that neat? Jesus wept. Rejoice evermore. You know the third shortest verse in the Bible is? Remember Lot's wife. Right? There's a sermon right there for you. Right? Jesus wept, rejoice evermore, but remember Lot's wife. Charles Spurgeon said verse 35 isn't a verse you can just read. You have to feel it. Jesus wept. Charles Spurgeon preached two whole sermons just on verse 35. Two sermons on Jesus wept. This word wept, when it says Jesus wept, it's a different word from the weeping of the mourners, uh, this, this weeping is silent weeping. This is tears welling up in your eyes. This is lump in your throat, lip quivering, just kind of getting overwhelmed with, with emotion here. And so you've got the crowd wailing and screaming and crying out. And Jesus, as he's looking on, he starts to get overcome with emotion. And his eyes fill with tears as he sees this crowd. Which in a way, it seems kind of odd, doesn't it? That Jesus would start to weep. Because he knows he's about to raise Lazarus from the dead. 
You would think he'd be standing there with like this big smile on his face because he knows what he's about to do or that he'd have to like contain his laughter because he knows he's about to just you know, blow their minds with this surprise that he's about to do and raise Lazarus to the, from the dead, but he's weeping. Why is he weeping? Jesus enters into their suffering. He enters into their suffering. Even though he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead, he's still a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. Hebrews 4.15 says of Jesus that he is a high priest who empathizes with our weaknesses. And he, he fully enters into our suffering and he fully enters into our pain. He understands, he can relate to our sorrow. Even though he's got great things in store for us, even though he's got a resurrection for us, he still enters into the pain that we experience. That's why we can pour out our heart to him. And he understands Verse 35, Jesus wept, and then the Jews said, see how he loved him? And some of them said, (laughs) some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? There's critics in the crowd. At a funeral, there's critics there. There's always critics. There's always critics in the crowd. Then Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. We're told the tomb was a cave and a stone lay against it. So verse 39, Jesus said, take away the stone. And Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there's a stench, for he has been dead four days. Martha, understandably, is, is repulsed by the thought of opening the tomb. You know, the body's been decomposing for four days, and maybe she thinks he wants to see the body one last time, but she says, hey, you, you can't open the tomb because by now there's a stench. He's been dead four days. And the old King James here, it says, he stinketh. By now he stinketh. <laughs> and I say that to my kids sometimes after they've been outside playing all day and they're sweaty. I say, go take a shower, you stinketh. But she said, I mean, you, she's not expecting a miracle here. We're past that for her. She thinks, you know, he could have healed her, healed Lazarus if he showed up before he died. But now it's too late. There's nothing he can do. And she says, hey, you can't, you can't, you can't open the tomb. There's a stench. He's been dead four days. And Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Back in verse four, didn't I say it wasn't going to end in death? And that you would see the glory of God. And now you're about to see the glory of God. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And I would bet as soon as they rolled away that stone, there was a stench. You know, probably just boof, hit him. The stench. You know, and so probably the crowd is, you know, covering their face. You know, from the smell, gagging, dry heaving, you know, kind of thing. There's a stench. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me and I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Jesus raised Lazarus so that the people that were there, the eyewitnesses, would believe that Jesus was sent from God. The purpose of this whole thing was to persuade the people to believe, to bring them to a point where they make a decision about Jesus Christ. You have to make a decision about Jesus Christ. There has to be a point in your life where you decide, I'm going to follow him. I'm going to surrender my life to him as my Lord and my Savior and live for him from this point forward. 
And he's trying to bring them to that place where they recognize him for who he is. He asked me how I know, and I say, bring truer than the finest crystal. If you missed any part of today's message or would like to hear more of Pastor Dan's teachings from 1 John, you can do so right now at calvaryec.com. Just click on media. In fact, there's an entire library of Pastor Dan's messages that you're welcome to listen to and even share with friends and family. Would you do us a favor? Would you join us in praying for the ministry of Ring of Truth? Please pray for Pastor Dan and everyone involved in this program that we would continue to listen and respond to what our Heavenly Father has to say. Pray too for your brothers and sisters in Christ listening along with you, that they would be protected from the enemy and that the truth and blessing of Scripture would fuel their passion for following the Lord. Thank you for taking the time to pray. Though our time with you is at an end for today, we'd like to encourage you not to shut your Bible just yet. Continue reading in the book of 1 John or take some time to explore any of the other 65 books in God's Word. Each one reveals new aspects of your relationship with your Creator and will open your eyes to His purpose and plans for this world and for you. We pray you are blessed richly as you continue an extended time of learning from Scripture. Thanks for tuning in today, and join us next time for another edition of Ring of Truth.